Hello and welcome to this week's Super 8's podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and joining me this evening is our regular pundit, Cork's Sean O'Gohalpin. And we're delighted to welcome former Dublin star Jack Sheedy onto the show too. So good evening, men. Hi, Denise. How are you? Yeah, how are you? Sean O'G. Hey, Denise. And Mr. Sheedy Grant. Listen, lads, before we start talking GA, we have to mention Shane Lowry. British Open champion and champion golfer of the year, like 37 years ago. His father, Brendan, helped awfully stop Kerry winning the five in a row. Ten years on from him winning the Irish Open, like, as an amateur. It's unreal. Like, what can you say about him, Sean Oak? I, I, I said the adjectives, like, you know, we're going to mention is not going to be enough yeah. for, for his achievements. Um, funny enough, when I was watching the, I was watching the Kerry, um, Kerry playing Donegal, and I was watching, you know, I was switching, mm. I switched into the guys back to the yeah. Kerry Donegal game, um, if they carried on a yard game wasn't as close to you know what I mean my eyes would have been fully mm. on like kind of Shane's achievement but um, oh good grass to him like Denise we spoke about the demise of Offaly Hurling this year do you know what I mean and um, so hopefully hopefully Shane's achievement would have given like kind of Offaly something to cheer this year like you know Jack, you worked down in Offaly you managed down in Edenderry I won't ask you to sing the Offaly Rover but I have to say he must be one of the most popular Irish sports people we've ever had. Shane is a lovely fellow. I used to meet him regularly up in Carton House when, when I was playing a bit of golf myself and, and had the pleasure of playing against his father once or twice uh, as he was coming to the end of his days with Offaly as well. Um, Shane is he's a lovely fella. Um, you know, he's gone the hard way. He's put in the work and maybe didn't get the, the, the appreciation mm. of the work that he was putting in. But um, he's now getting his just rewards. He's, he's been building steadily towards it. Um, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal achievement to go up there and do that uh, on any course, on any day, is, is, is the head of an achievement. But to actually conditions and with the pressure, that, you know, the yeah. pressure that there is uh, it's, it's, a, it's an enormous achievement and, and something that, you know, will we'll live long in the memory. I was looking back between that and the yeah, it's just a pity everything was all at the same time because we've local championship in Longford at the moment. So um, I was on Twitter following the golf and I was listening to uh, the dulcet tones of Brian Carty on radio. Jack, the glory days of the 90s and your championship debut, what a debut, because it was against Mees and it was those famous games, like four games it took to separate the two sides. Yes, yeah, wonderful times, um, bittersweet, uh, as we all know at this stage. Mm. Um, and I suppose there's still that little taste in the in the back of the throat that uh, reminds me of, of the disappointment. But uh, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a great time to be playing football, and um, it was uh, you know it was a fantastic time to, to be making your debut, even though it was a little bit later than I probably hoped for. But um, yeah, it was fantastic, fantastic times. When you think of the players, though, that you had around you, that was some Dublin team. And it was surprising that they didn't win so much more than they did. Yeah, I suppose when you look at it, there's, there's huge comparisons between maybe between ourselves and, and the current Mayo team or maybe the Mayo team of the last yeah. four or five years. You know, they, they've, they've been touching within touching distance or grasping distance of several All-Irelands and we were a little bit the same you know we beaten in 91 beaten in the final in 92 yeah. semi-final in 93 
and a final again in '94. Yeah. Um, so like they were, they were again games that were within our grasp. There was some fantastic guys to play football with, uh, great guys to play against as well. Who, who you know, we, we built up some good friendships against you know with a lot of guys that we played with at that time in 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 latter years. Um, so yeah, it was a special time to be playing football. But any time you play football for your county or hurler, you know it's it's a special time and it's it's a fantastic achievement. Ninety-five Dublin did win the All Ireland. They beat Toronto in the final, but you had a serious injury. Yes, um, I did my Crucius uh, just at the start of the championship. We had just won the intermediate championship with my club, Luke and Sarsfield at the time, and uh, shortly after that, in preparation for the first round of the Leinster, uh, I did my Crucius and. Uh, Kept going for a while to see if I could if I could manage it, but uh, completely ruptured it. Then the week coming up to the Leicester final, so that was uh, curtains for me for the year. Um, disappointment, but having said that, at the same time, it was uh, I was as happy as any guy on the pitch that day mm. to to see the lads get over the line. You know, for footballers, for sports people, Sean Oak. That C word is the worst C word. There's no course word that is as bad as that. Dreaded Crucius. Yeah, absolutely. That and the hairs where was the hamstring injury, but Crucius is the hamstring. Can I, you could come back after a few weeks, yeah. but Crucius, Crucius back then and probably still is like it's, it's a 12 month job, like, you know. I, I didn't do my Crucius, but I've injured my patella tendon. Um, and uh, like a Jack will tell you, it's a lonely experience like kind of rehabbing that because basically um, especially during the summer because basically Jack would have been seeing the Dublin fellas kind of march on when they are all in but he would have been confined to the gym doing rehab work do you know what I mean all on his own like and um, I, so that must have been jeez that must have been tough and a killer kind of at least when I did my pretend attending Cork bombed out in the early rounds of the championship that year. So being selfish about it, I didn't lose. You know, I mm. I didn't miss out on anything much by my injury. But um, <laughs> to do your crucial and uh, look at Dublin, like that must have been look looking at it personally. That must have been, geez, that must have been tough. Come Jack, kind of knowing that you, you could have been there, like and a step to the Hogan stand, like and I with the other fellas, kind of. I think any injury um, in championship season, John, is you know it's difficult. If you can, if it's something small, you can get back. But when you're gone for the season, and yeah. you see, particularly when it's a successful season, and you see, see things kicking on ahead of you, I suppose for me it was it was you know it was gut wrenching to say the least. But the fact that Pat O'Neill and, and his management team allowed me or facilitated me staying close to the to the squad um, I probably didn't miss more than two mm. sessions during that time um, I, I fulfilled different roles uh, on the sidelines and you know team meetings and stuff like that so I kind of I was kept up to speed and I was kept you know as part of the squad which was probably took the blow away if I'd been on the outside completely uh, twiddling my tongue just doing my rehab well then you know, it probably would have been far, far worse. But the fact that I was kind of yeah. within the family, it, it, it made us, it diluted it somewhat. We kind of forget about Pat O'Neill, don't we really, Jack? Because, you know, people talk obviously about Heffo's army and then, you know, Jim Gavin at the moment. But O'Neill was a fantastic manager, great tactician. 
Yeah, Pat had a great team around them. Mm. It's with with Doyler and Fran Ryder and Jim Brogan especially. They were the real brains trust, the four of them. Mm. Um, and they they were a great management team, I have to say. They really were. They they left absolutely no stone untorn, either technically or physically or, you know, football-wise. Mm. They're coaching, you know, giving guys tips of, you know, from what they had done and learned, you know, through HEPO and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, they were, they were a wonderful team. And, and you know, I, I, I've known Pat a long time now and... and Talk about a passionate GA mm. man. He was, you know, phenomenally passionate about Dublin football and uh, put in a, an enormous work rate um, in the background with with the squad. And uh, you know, he was. Um, it was funny. Like we all we all went to Pat being the you know uh, the orthopedic consultant that he is yeah. in his private life. Um, no near Pat when they got injured because Pat would stick a thumb in or a finger <laughs> something and say he'll, he'll be alright and you just you just never went near him it was a, it was a, he went to every other physio that you could get to a bar going to Pat only in last resort because uh, he just he was old school in, that, in, the, in the sense that if you were okay you were okay and that was it there was no messing about about long you know long breaks or anything like he just got on with it and that was it um, but he was fantastic he was a fantastic manager Would you have learned from Pat or would you have taken some of uh, what you learned from him into your say club management and then obviously when you were at Longford as well There's probably a few people down at Longford think I would say that I probably learned nothing from him <laughs> but uh, Listen Derry 2014 I don't forget that No I, I'm joking um, No I would have you know yeah. pieces from, from everybody that you that you worked with and worked under and that thing. Uh, Pat was, I suppose, Pat's attention to detail was one of his very strong strengths allied to his his knowledge of the game and also the way he played it himself as a player. So, yeah, I would have, I would have picked up um, and, and hopefully brought forward some of the, the, the positive stuff that he, he would have brought to us when he was managing us. Yeah, Sean, oh, you're the same as Jack. You would have played under some great managers. When you think of what has gone through the GAA with hurling and Gaelic football, the managers that we've had have just been phenomenal. So like Jack Cheney, kinda, I would have worked with kind of managers who were past players. Um, hmm. I, I, I automatically threw that. Um, I, I, I think there's a respect there the fact that they've done the county jersey before you mm. do you know what I mean um, like Pat O'Neill Pat O'Neill would have won all Ireland with Dublin under Kevin Heffman same with Jimmy Barry Murphy Donald O'Grady John Allen John McCarthy Percy Oak Murphy but these were guys with huge huge wisdom wealth the knowledge that have won in Ireland uh, won in Ireland and probably knew what it took do you know what I mean so mm. obviously you were going to be what you call it Ears pricking up, taking everything they said, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but for me, in that regard, probably Jimmy Barry Murphy probably stands out mm. amongst all of them because, um, Jimmy is the devil of the car public, like, and you kind of start to see that firsthand before and after games. Uh, I mean, old team bus, right? After games, right? Old team bus would be like, we, we, we be on the bus. And we'd be still waiting, you know, waiting for Jimmy to get on the bus because basically everyone wanted to talk to Jimmy afterwards. Jeez. So, yes, it was great. 
is if we had to hunt someone like Jimmy Coach and yeah, but it was fucking a disaster trying to get <laughs> home because basically it was worse than a woman talking. Jimmy about greyhounds, they'd be talking about Jimmy about hurling, you name it. Like, um, but 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 it was great at the same time to be in uh, to be coached by greatness, like. You know. It was scad consolation, I suppose, Jack, for yourself. You won the All-Ireland Masters with Dublin in 2004. Was it something you wanted to do, though, go into management? I know you were part of the management team when Dublin won a junior All-Ireland. Was it something that you wanted to go into after your football career ended? Yeah, it, it wasn't something I'd ever give, mm. given any thought to. Um, I found myself in management. Uh, I, liked, I liked coaching. Um, I did a bit of coaching during the years when I was in during the 95, 96 when I was injured and I did that for about two years and then got back to football again. It wasn't something I, I had really given any thought to about management. I ended up managing my own club in Lucan um, as a result of a retirement in the management setup that was there and um, Consequently, I, I, I ended up in that role for, for two years and I suppose I enjoyed it to some extent but uh, I still wanted to play football so I went back just went back playing football for a couple more years. But I suppose the coaching side of things, management is, you know, management is, is it's one description of the whole thing but, you know, realistically you're, you're coaching and, and that would be my preferred side of the setup. Um, club level obviously you're going to be a coach manager mm. water carrier the whole lot at some various different stages whereas at county level you probably are either one or the other you're yes. a coach or a manager um, because there's not room to do the two uh, successfully I don't think and I suppose sometimes you can get caught between the two stools of, of being the manager and trying to be the coach as well or, or vice versa Um I've enjoyed I've enjoyed my roles um, at management level. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in, in Longford. Um, oh, you know, management is it's it's the it's just it's part of the whole coaching process, or coaching is part of the whole management process. So yeah, it's, it's enjoyable. Um, I've enjoyed it immensely over the years, um, and and hope to do for for a few more years to come. Um, but it, it's becoming more and more specialised. Like yeah. you're, you're even at club level now, you're either a manager or a coach, to, and, and that's the way it's gone. There's so many demands and there's so many expectations from from young lads coming through, or even even in, in, in the ladies' football. Uh, there's so many different demands on on a management team that you have to nearly have every role um, identified and. and, and singled out for, for each, each individual you know Would you have preferred actually to be a coach in Longford than a manager or were you happy with the manager because as you said and I know people um, that would say to me no they would prefer to be coach um, because a manager you know you basically have to in inverted con- commas manage you know you're in charge of, of nearly everything whereas the coach is kind of more hands on Yeah it's more specialised mm certain way but you have one job to coach the team and, and yeah. invariably the big decisions don't have to be made by you as coach whereas manager has to you know I, I enjoy the management side of things mm. don't get me wrong but I would I, I would prefer to be involved in the coaching side of things than just being on the management yeah. 
managing side of things, you know, because, you know, you're dealing with the county boards, you're dealing with the media, you're dealing with injuries, yeah. preparations, and, and all of that sort of thing. So you really don't have time for coaching when you have all that stuff going on. Now, Sean Og, you have to make the choice. It's either management or coaching. But it is true. It's, it's very hard to kind of to be a manager and then you have, you have so many things to do as Jack said it's basically sorry Jack about this Jack of all trades I absolutely concur with what's Jack's description and you know the role of the manager versus the role of the coach and I'm involved with a few teams myself not to the level that Jack was at uh, or is that but I see my strengths personally on the coaching side rather than on the management side manager as you said there's more duties and responsibilities right because yeah. basically like the book ultimately probably lies with team loses it's the manager's fault uh, and when the team wins you know you have great players do you know what I mean? yeah. like, like that's, that's the word that goes out um, uh, unfortunately for the manager um, I myself I there's nothing more enjoyable than being out there with a whistle do you know what I mean with cones in your hand working with players directly on the pitch right do you know what I mean um, and, then, and then going through the various skills and what you call it uh, set players do you know what I mean that you prepare for say your manager's role goes way beyond that right can I you're a psychologist, you're a dietitian, you're what you call it, really a physio, you're all of the above, right? And you kind of have to have knowledge, do you know what I mean? And, and every department, as Jack said, your your communication skills with the various guys that report into you, do you know what I mean? Like, kind of has to be superb. Where I would fall along, say, on the management role, is how, how they keep the subs engaged and telling subs like that. Sorry, you're not making a team because of, and then you might have to tell white lies. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. Like, I, I'm not good at that. Do you know? So, um, uh, so, so having having the skill and the ability, like, to keep from number sixteen to twenty six or twenty seven, twenty eight. Do you know what I mean? Involved mm. for the whole year, knowing that they mightn't see any game time. Do you know? I, so I'd imagine. Like that for me, but of about one to fifteen. But Jim, for me, Jim Gavin's hallmark is how how he's keeping sixteen to twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, can I absolutely can I honour game? Do you know what I mean? Because um, my very last year, Denise wife came with Cork two thousand and twelve. I got very little game time and then I swear I spent the whole summer like as a grumpy jack do you know what I mean like and then blaming everyone and anyone like and then um, so so the ability to keep grumpy fellas do you know what I mean that think they should be playing like keeping them engaged like that that takes a tremendous amount of skill like you know so um, so in an ideal scenario give me the whistle I'll do coaching <laughs> But I won't do management. You know, oh, sorry, or I won't, yeah. yeah. I, I, I won't take any management as well. Yeah, Jack, how do you keep, as Sean have said, the, the subs happy? You know, the guys that aren't making, I know you can say that it's a team game and it's not just about the 15, it's about, you know, the subs and all that. But you will get situations where, and I'm sure you have through club and county, where guys kind of, you know, they expect to be played. Yeah, well, sure, everybody, nearly everybody, that mm. puts on the boots and... and, and Attends a training session, whether it's club or county, 
uh, wants to be playing or expects to be playing and, and, and they we all think we're the best player on the team no matter what um, and it's yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult situation to manage but I think if you have a level of competition in your in your squad mm. uh, at each training session and, and your training sessions are appropriately designed to facilitate giving people opportunities and trying different things and trying things out well then guys figure out after a while where they stand in the pecking order they may not like it but they still figure out where they stand in mm. the pecking order and, you know they I won't say we, any player wishes for another player to get injured or get sent off or stuff like that but secretly there probably yeah. is a little bit of that goes on in the squad I think it would be only natural if it did Um and, and to try and keep the balance right, you know, you've got a you're, you're picking teams in training sessions to maybe get a guy who has lost a bit of confidence to get get a bit of confidence, and you stick him on a guy that maybe is just not quite at the pace, or you know, or vice versa, you stick a bastard on a guy who thinks he's something better than he's not than he actually is. And, and, and you show him up a little bit or he gets shown up in training and sometimes you get that, that backfires on you and he actually turns in you know fantastic performances in training and that's what you're looking mm. for you're looking for that extra competitive edge at, at, at every session so that your decisions are real hard decisions and, and you know you live and, buy, and you live and die by those decisions um, but I think if you can get that balance right you're, you're doing the right thing by your squad and you're giving everybody at least a fair shake of it. Because you had experience in club management, was it something that you wanted them to progress into, um, the county management, or did you just see the Longford job and think, you know, it's something that I want to do, or how did you manage to get into Longford? I had been in Moorfield for three seasons and uh, predominantly very successful uh, during that time. And... I went away from that then after three years and I went into just basically a coaching role and um, I was approached about the Longford job, asked would I be interested in, um, well, would I have any interest in talking to the, the, the people concerned and I said, ah yeah, like, I, I loved it and it was, it was, I suppose, it was the next step having like working with the lads in Moorfield it was as close to working with a county squad as you never yeah. because we probably had of a, of a panel of 26 or 27 we probably had 13 or 14 lads who had played county football yeah. over the previous three years so you know it was it was a very high standard a very, very good standard and a very well applied group of fellas so I said yeah I enjoyed that and I, I wanted to, to go on and test myself at the next level really so that's when, when the Longford system available, uh, when, when Glenn stepped down. Um, as I say, I was asked, would I be interested? I said yes. So it just followed on from there and, uh, you know, had some good, good discussions with the, with the people who were uh, involved in, in, in the process of, of producing a new manager. So, you know, thankfully for me, it went well. And, and like I say, um, put a huge amount of effort into it and a lot of work into it and enjoyed probably nine and a half minutes mm. of it, you know. Jack, um, as a Longford fan, you know, I always say I'm a, I'm a supporter first and a reporter second. You know, we haven't had too many 
great days like nothing will ever beat uh, 1968 well for the moment but if people said to me even in recent times about results and I'm not just saying it Monaghan in 2016 was great but for me I think Derry 2014 we went up there already lost John Keegan before the start of the game they got to the Division 1 final at home in Celtic Park Paul Barden just dazzled that day yeah Absolutely, Paul was immense that day. It, it probably was as good a day as he as he had. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I think the way we we set ourselves up to play that day, I, I had seen Derry play when he got, um, a few weeks earlier in the championship uh, when they were beaten in Celtic Park, and I just I, I watched the game closely, and, and, and a lot of it stood out in my mind afterwards. Reasons for why they were beaten and. We, why they hadn't, they didn't do things well and, and stuff like that. And I just felt that going up there, if we set ourselves up in a certain way, uh, we had good footballers. And Paul was probably as good in the full forward line at that time as he had been out in the half forward line yeah. of the field earlier in his career. And we played a challenge against against Wicklow uh, the week beforehand um, and it had gone very well in a similar pattern to the way we played against uh, Derry. But the lads really rose to the challenge. Like you, you can go into those games with the best preparation yeah. and still fall flat. But the lads really, really rose to the challenge that day. Like there was some phenomenal performances right from Damien all the way up to to, uh, to Paul um, Brian Kavner you know the lads that come on Mark Hughes Mark Hughes got the goal yeah you know stick the ball in the back of the net you know but the, the application of lads um, on, on, the, on that day in Derry like it, it, it's one that live along with me anyway because you know when you when you think about coaching and, and or you talk about coaching they like you, you set up and you do things like it was it was it was really word perfect to a large extent and um, that we played so well in, in the manner in which we wanted to try and play uh, against the players. So, yeah, I was, mm. I was thrilled with that. I thought it was, it was such a great performance. Yeah, for a lot of people in Longford, Sean Oak, especially probably because of Longford's record in the qualifiers, you know, they kind of don't want the qualifiers to go in some ways, you know, because if a tier championship come in, the qualifiers are gone, and, you know, the great days that Longford had, like you know, 2014 Derry, then 2016 in Monaghan, mightn't have days like that again. The competition is probably at a crossroads, do you yeah. know what I mean? Whether they continue with the qualifiers or whether they go with, do you know what I mean, the tier system yeah. kind of uh, introducing the, what you call it, um, uh, the B competition. Mm. Um, so, uh, I, to be honest, I, mean, I don't really know what the answer to that is, yeah. do you know what I mean? Kind of, because... No, no matter what they introduce, you're probably not going to please everyone. Everyone, exactly. You know yeah. I, mean? I, I know in some courses, the field of qualifier system has kind of served its purpose now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, it's becoming stale, stagnant. Um, I mean, supporters are starting to vote with their fees. Do you know what I mean? Some yeah. of these games, like, do you know what I mean? So, you mentioned, like, and, um, it has given, do you know what I mean? It has given tremendous days to lesser counties. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, on any given day, do you know what I mean? As long as they're in the championship, they still have a fighting chance, like, do you know? And yes, the qualifying system was introduced to give the, do you know what I mean? Like, kind of, um, 
this so-called week account is a second chance, but what it's what, what like what it's done ultimately is it's given the likes of you know Kerry, Dublin, the bigger counties, if they if given a second chance, like they will always take it. You know, I love to get Jack. Like like having worked for Longford, like I love to get Jack caught on. You know, the proposals to go like kind of with a B championship, like you know, kind of um, whether he thinks whether he thinks is a good move, bad move, whether we should stick with the qualifiers. You know, I I would think, Sean. My own opinion is that they they have to go at least to a two tier, if not even a three tier, right. uh, because it gives more counties a better opportunity to be successful rather than just playing out a number of games like certainly in Leinster the provincial the provincial setup in Leinster is, is gone similarly in Munster you know there's there's not a challenge you look at what's going on in Ulster and uh, Donegal came down today with a pack of injuries after a really hard Ulster campaign I'd love to see a, a, a setup, and I don't know the, the definitive answer to the the situation but I do think we have I do feel strongly we have to change uh, and I'd love to see where you know you have whether it's a two tier or three tier that you have progression for the teams who who, who do progress and, and, and put the effort in and, and uh, show that they can be successful and I think Longford are primed for something like that where they can they can compete on a far better level with Teams in be it as if they year three, they could have a great chance of building because Longford have brought through a, a huge amount of young players in the last five or six years, and, and, and it's the backbone of what they have now. And those lads deserve to be able to develop at a certain level at a certain rate, rather than throwing them in against the Dublins or going through a qualifier and meeting the Mayo's and Kerry's and that, um, who albeit have they've done well against at times. But I think I think for to, to bring the game back to a more level playing field, uh, I think that's I think it's the way forward. I don't know the exact answer to how, but definitely I do think that teams playing in their own standard better chance of progressing than just getting hammers all the time. Yeah, well, here's the thing, like um, Jack Denise. You take you take Dublin out of Leinster. It's competitive. It's even yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, can I, uh, and like, if 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 the Dublin success is going to continue for another ten twenty years, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, but this is very much unprecedented. Do you know what I mean? Dublin yeah. success to senior level. Do you know what I mean? Um, their success has been like Kenny for the last Kenny between 2016 yeah. untouchable right for most years right the hurling championship is all you know what I mean the fact that Kenny had done well done do you know what I mean like uh, with, with the chase impact now has made hurling more even do you know what I mean so like, like I, I, I definitely get your point Jack I think though Sean that there are too many teams who have absolutely no, no chance yeah yeah okay of, of all Ireland and uh, for a lot of those teams they know they have no chance therefore if there was a secondary competition or, or whatever way they devise it um, to give teams a chance to, to develop in their own skin rather than pitting them against hammerings like you know that like we've seen over the last number of years like yeah. it doesn't 
because people people do stay away, players do stay away, and you can see it's like five years ago, four years ago, three years ago even, you had big crowds going to going to games and um, like what there was about was there seven or eight thousand in Crow Park for the first game yesterday? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember which it was. Twenty twenty five second game. But that that's the real that's the real answer to what people think about football at the moment and it's it's disappointing. Yeah. Um, so therefore, have have some form of a secondary competition where teams can grow in themselves and not go out and be getting these sort. And it is turning off the spectators as well. Yeah, see, that's the big thing. See, club football, you'll always have it because teams are nearly much um, on an even par with each other. Whereas, as you said, Jack, you know, you've a couple of teams that can win in All Ireland, and then you have an awful lot of teams that aren't capable. One thing, Jack, I remember from your time at Longford was your um, sense of fashion and your um, love of waistcoats. Still, uh, Don and Ola. <laughs> I tell you, Sean Oak, he had more waistcoats than, I'd say, John Higgins or uh, Ken Doherty had. <laughs> oh, he was one snazzy. I have to say, he was one snazzy dresser now when he was, when he was at Longford, yeah. It was it you that introduced the, the skinny trackies as well with them, is it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the say you did, yeah. <laughs> oh, we blame Quinn. Lads, we'll go on to the, the fields of play and uh, the Super 8 with Tyrone. You know, there were six points down at half time. Cork, everything was going well for Cork, Sean Oak. And it was the game that many people felt that Cork could actually get something out of um, after the performance against Dublin. What did you think of it overall? Cork looked back at the call line today and missed like it was definitely it, it was definitely a win of the game mm. do you know what I mean I, I think Tyrone's experience at yeah. that level do you know what I mean like kind of really tall towards the end and very patient but basically when the score was on they pinched it greatly and like Matty Donnelly and to a lesser extent Kyle, uh, is it McShane yeah Carl McShane is it Carl McShane yeah. yes um, they were there really two uh, two from cars up front and Cork really kind of for all the possession beneath do you know what I mean like yeah. kind of um, couldn't really penetrate on a consistent basis by the first half like you know kind of um, half time came ideally for Tyrone where they made a, Mickey Hart made a few switches uh, and basically they just rose they still only in the levels like uh, but you gave it to once they got the two goals back once they got level with Cork and uh, went ahead uh, there was a sense of inevitability about it um, but I didn't have him said after all right this year for Cork supporters right we were expecting to get to the all and hurling final the hurling bomb though last week against Kilkenny right what's more what's, what's infuriating Cork hurling fans is we said they didn't go to the championship without emptying the tank or going eyeballs out right I know from I know from talking to people already at a very limited base right the Cork football team has kind of won the half yeah. Yes, they haven't won, and do you know what I mean? They're out of the Super 8, but at least they play with a bit of pride and passion, giving us something to look forward to next year. Do you know? So um, so I think when Ronan McCarthy looks back at this campaign, right, I think he's going to be more, he, he's going to take more positives yeah. than you know, negatives going into 2020, right? And 
even if he gets out of Division Three next year, right? That'll be which they should. Yeah. Like that'll be seen. That'll be seen as another. Do you know what I mean? For a huge improvement, right? Can I under his watch? So, um, um, at least you know against Dublin, the last, the last by thirteen points. They give it a good crack. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And then, and then we can take losing. Anything can take losing. But when you lose, like knowing that you've given it 100%, yeah. I mean, fans fans could go home happier. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Cork have done this year with Cork fans. That's something you know? that Jack always wanted was uh, his team to go out. Jack, all too easy for Dublin. If you look at the bench, like there's teams around the country that that bench will actually start for them. Uh, Connor Daly sent off before half time. You know, left Roscommon with so much to do in a game that they were never going to get out and out of. No, no, definitely not. Once, once uh, they, they went a man down, they were. It was always going to be a, an even tougher uphill struggle, um, especially, especially in Crow Park. Mm. No. Where you know you're exposed to the full width of it with the style of football that Dublin play, and then you know they alter things a little bit with Conor Callan on the edge of the square and put a few high balls. You know, uh, it, it caused pandemonium in the in the Roscommon uh, defence. So you know Dublin had good tactics; they had a good approach to it, and they executed very, very well. Which is, you know, the, their skill levels are, are so. Uh, and, and Jim generally alludes to that aspect of their training when when he's you know interviewed that they you know they spend a lot of time working on their skills and it's it, it shows because you know they can deliver the, the short pass or the forty fifty yard kick pass. They can just um, change. It's just unreal. Yeah, and they have a lot of good athletes as well, and they have um, you know some of the younger lads coming through are, are obviously taking claims and, and that level of competition that you know if you don't perform to your to your highest standard well then you'll be sitting watching it for the next game that's that's just the way it, it happens out there um, in relation to Cork uh, I, I was very impressed with them this year I have to say I thought they were they were a little bit unlucky against Kerry uh, yeah. it was a tremendous performance uh, against Tyrone yesterday I think um, Sean Mentioned this, um, they, they, they played receives and then they didn't really give it a right good crack at it. Uh, I think two aspects of it, they didn't have a bench that Tyrone had, uh, and the reason for that is that Tyrone have been at that level for a number of years, like Cork has slipped to Division yeah. 3 in the National League, and they're only trying to put a team together, uh, or establish a team. That can that can go forward for them, and um, so the, the depth in their squad is probably anywhere close to probably where they'd like to be, and and certainly when you compare it to more established teams, you know, Toronto, Dublin, uh, Kerry, Mayo, you know, they have the, the strength and depth which which really stands out on days like that. But uh, I have to say, I, I was very um, impressed with what they've done this year. Uh, it was a great turnaround, I suppose, after the low of getting relegations and, you know, some of the results last year and even over the last number of years. So it's a, it was a it was a good it was a good turnaround for them and that they can they can bow out, you know, even even though they've one game left, they can bow out uh, of the, the championship this year. Uh, by getting to the super eight it was it was uh, a good achievement. And uh they still have a game left against Roscommon, which is certainly one they can win. Yeah, that's a 
هم هم تو تن درکت نیست نایی کنه تنیز دوره بینیم کار سیتویشن نایی تین اگنس نایی تلیت دوبلن کنه از بول دفارس ناشل تین و تدو از دفاری دفاری دفنسیف game today in Crow Park wasn't bright uh, Sean Oak thankfully I had a club game so I missed it but from talking to people it wasn't a great spectacle you all came from behind to defeat Mead that was an hour wrestle until I'd say the it was about the 64 62nd minute that Mead started to turn on the do you know what I mean kind of mm. to turn the screw got a goal um, uh, tacked on a few points and in a short period blitz Split me, but up to that, like, do you know what I mean? It was, it was tit for tat. Okay, not very exciting football. What kept it exciting was the closeness of it. And, like, I, I, I kind of felt that the game was kind of all playing it to Leeds' hands. The fact that they were, you know, keeping it close mm. and then basically down the stretch. Do you know what I mean? Kind of, that lead would kind of finish strongly, right? Kind of, but that didn't happen. Mayo, Mayo got the strong finish. Um, so, um, I mean, that's me championship, no, that's me championship, no, but, um, but that was a crucial two points for me, all like, do you know what I mean, like, and I keep yeah. the championships, hopes alive, and then, I mean, what a game we have next week, like, do you know what I mean, yeah. is it in Castlebar, me all, it's in Castlebar, yeah, like, that's gonna be, oh, that's, that's gonna be the game, sorry, Jack, you mentioned something here, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Mead suffered from the same thing maybe as Cork did. Cork did, yeah. They didn't have the experience and they didn't have the bench. Like Mayo were able to bring on guys who've who've been on the panel for quite a while now and have have produced at various different stages some good performance. So I think that was probably just helping to get that that little bit more strength and depth uh, that Mead are lacking at the moment. Jack, when John Oak mentioned the under twenties, I tell you Dublin have some player in that Kieran Archer um, I've seen him play the first day against Longford not just his scoring it's just his, his all round football skills some of the fielding like he's just outstanding and it wasn't just in the Longford game like he continued on in the, ne- the next couple of games um, his scoring like he's definitely one to watch Yeah Kieran um, I was involved with you the 17 last year uh, and Kieran was on that squad and he's he's uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a special talent, all right. Oh. He reminds. Where's he from, Jack? Russ. Oh, he's Russ. Yeah, Simars, yeah. Simars, 
in Rush. He was over in England as a 16-year-old or a 15 or 16-year-old. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Troy Olsen was over in England. Uh, I think he, he signed with Preston at the time. Uh, I just didn't fancy it too much and he came home and he, he, got, back into the, uh, he got back into the Gaelic and was in the development squad. And, um, he, he, uh, Sean Oak, he's uh, a joy to watch. He really is. I began recording, funny enough, it was on a Friday night. I yeah, the least game. And I'm gonna, yeah, so I'm gonna, over the course of the week, I'm gonna, what you call it, pull it out and then watch it. Uh, he must be the first player from Rush to, is he? Yeah, he, well, it's he, from he, that club to play with, can I, is he? He must be. Kieran Redden has been on the Dublin panel for the last yeah. yeah. okay, seven years, but I don't he's, he's not there now. Um, and he, he's a he's a he's a, a hell of a good footballer that lad too. But uh, Kieran just has I think he has that little bit of extra extra. Yeah. He's, he's 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 got you know he's an unbelievable left foot, but he's got a great pair of hands. Yeah. And I think his his time in soccer has benefited him because his movement is is, is fabulous as well. They're actually playing Galway in the semi-final in Longford next weekend at under-20s. And I tell you, that'd be a cracking game because Galway are a very good side too. Jack, the second game in Crow Park was just a cracking game of football. I was listening to it on the radio with um, Brian Carthy. Um, black cards, controversial, you know, and we're, just, we're still going to talk about the black cards situation. Uh, Michael Murphy, show my, he's one of the most gifted footballers around as well. It really leaves the game, as Sean Oak said, in Castlebar. It's all to play for in that game with Donegal and Mayo. But, um, you know, what can you say about today's football? Um, I thought it was a great game. Absolutely great. Some phenomenal scores, some great defensive work, some great attacking performances. I, I suppose, being of a, of a, an era myself, um, I was very disappointed with the two black cards. Mm. I thought they, I thought they, I'm not saying they weren't fully warranted. Yeah. Well, I think that Jack McEnany wouldn't have given up for that. No. Yeah. And uh, that's possibly the best way of summing it up because uh, the game that was being played, I think uh, it was very high intensity. There was a, there was, there was, you know, there was, it was a fast game. There was some some decent hits going in. It was full blooded, but there wasn't a mean. There was nothing mean. The no, there was, you know, two tackles themselves. Like, yeah, the, the, the what do you call him? Um, young Kerry had that got got the first black card. Gavin Moyes, yeah, very yeah. harsh. Probably deserved it because he did pull him down. Uh, but. Uh, in the context of the game itself, I think a yellow card probably could have done it. Yeah. Um, but then again, that, it'd be just, that's just my opinion. I, I think it's too easy to just flash a, a black card. See, the black card, I thought the black card was brought in. Remember a couple of years ago, Sean Kavanagh, the pull down, and it was kind of n- nearly like the professional foul in, in soccer. You know, that's uh, cynicism. And I think now, referees, I was at a club matches this weekend and we were like, black card, and you're like, Okay, not a black card, a yellow card. Or then you're going yellow card and you're like, a black card. You know, do referees even know what they should be doing? You know, I thought it was for cynical, real foul, you know, and then they give a list of whatever. But they don't seem to know. So if they don't know what an inter-county, it's very hard for a club uh, referee to know. No, I would agree. I, I, 
my understanding of it and, and the way it was marketed or presented at the time was that it, it was a, a cynical flooring, mm. particularly, uh, you know, either blocking or tripping or whatever in, 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 proxim- in close proximity. Yeah, when there is scoring, yeah, opportunity, yeah. Scoring opportunities. Yeah. And yeah, it was, could you say it was a cynical foul? Possibly, but you know, it wasn't as if we jumped all over him and just or tripped him up or mm. did anything dirty that he deserved. I just don't think he was deserving of a black card. Um, it's very easy for the technical people who sit up in the places, the high places, to, to, to pontificate and say, well, by the letter of the law of whatever, it should, it's a black card. But we have to have a human side to GEA as well. And I think based on that, I, I definitely wouldn't have given him a black card. I would have given him a yellow card. And, you know, once a defender gets a yellow card, he, he has to certainly be on his yeah. behaviour after that because, you know, the pace of the game, you just have to be very, very careful. I remember watching, uh, I think it was, I think it was Michael Murphy later in the game. There was a, no, it was actually Pori Harnan. There was a, in the Mayo game, there was a, a, a Mayo forward going through and it, the, the simplest thing would have been for him to just absolutely polex the Mayo player, but he, he basically had to let him go go by him because if he put a hand on him, he was down. Definitely. I thought the young Tony Gallagher was very, was very uh, harsh. I thought it was harsh, yeah. I don't think he tried to trip him up. I, I watched it a couple of times in the replays and that and uh, you know Paddy Nealon is a good referee but at the same time he showed no sign of, of uh, you know understanding of the game by, by dishing out the cards in, in the manner in which he did I'm not saying he was totally wrong because there are people in Crow Park who will stand up and say uh, by the letter of the law that's yeah. what happens but you know we have to have a level of common sense in, in, in our refereeing as well as, you know, sticking to the, to the out and out letter of the law as well. Sean Oak hurling next weekend, the uh, semi-finals. You couldn't predict who was going to uh, win the Cork-Kilkenny game. The Cats come out, there's always a sting in their tail. They're playing uh, Limerick, the first semi-finals next Saturday. No pressure on Kilkenny. You know, they can go into that game just as calm and cool as they want. Can you see um, them causing upset or can you see Limerick booking their place in the All-Ireland final? Um, OK, if Limerick, if Limerick can reproduce the Munster Hurling final performance, uh, I think Limerick win this nine times out of ten. <laughs> Having said that, though, Limerick beat a temporary team, which I felt that day in the Munster final put up the white flag and yeah. I guess they left the both teams especially Tipperary because Tipperary like are as tough as me and during kind of as a, as, a, as a country in hurling but I thought there was there was a, there was a timely game when it was slipping from Tipperary they kind of they gave him too easy I'm telling you the black and amber army won't do that yeah. you know what I mean kind of they will fight to the bitter end right so um um like, as you said, all the pressure are going to be on Limerick because they're expected to win. Yeah. Not not alone expected to win, but expected to win handy, right? Um, 
that is all chicken feet to Brian Cody. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kind of, oh, like, this is going to be, this is going to go around to the world in these. Do you know what I mean? There's going to be a puck in the ball in this. Um, if we cast our minds back to 12 months ago, um, they played each other kind of at the quarter final stage and Limerick, Limerick, it, it, it took Limerick an almighty effort yeah, to score two yeah. late winning points to get over the line against Kilkenny, right? So, um, uh, I think, look, I think a lot is going to, de- if Kilkenny had to win, it's going to depend on their established or their experienced players. If mm. TJ Reeves, if TJ Reeves can get what you call it, if he can get a handle on Declan Hannon, if Richie Hogan, yeah. what you call it, can reduce some of the form. Wall to Walsh playing from the start, do you know what I mean, chipping in. Or like I tell you know, this game this game is not gonna be all in the mix way, like. Uh, I think that's gonna be the better semi final than the other one. Jack, there is something about Kilkenny and there is something about Brian Cody, you know. Everyone talks about about Jim Gavin. Um, you know, the hurling um equivalent is Brian Cody and what he's done. You know, every year we keep on thinking you know, maybe, you know, maybe, and there's always like a wasp, there's always a little sting on their tail. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Brian has been a phenomenal achievement. Like, they stack up with probably the best if, if, of, of, certainly of the modern era yeah. anyway. Um, but every good general has to have a good army. Yeah. And if the army, if the quality is not there, no matter how good he is, um, you know, you can't make the horses out of sales ears. So, you know, um, Brian has done a fantastic job, especially at times when, you know, when they've been written off and yeah. maybe the quality wasn't what, what they were used to in Kenny, but um, they've certainly, yeah, they've certainly, I think, this year and, and probably developed into a team. Uh, because of the, the, the yeah. you know the format and, and because of the the pressure they've been under, um, but is there such a thing as a bad Kilkenny team? I, 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 Sean Ogwood, no. Jack, Jack is never, never, never. I tell you now, there's never a bad Kilkenny. Um, people, people label bad Kilkenny teams because they always compare it to previous Kilkenny yeah. teams. Do you know what I mean? Like, but they're all great. By and then, and then, and then. And then, funny enough, Jack, right, I talked to Kilkenny Hurling people, right, and then they'd say, like, that within the county, there's probably better hurlers than what Brian Cody is picking, right? But here's the hallmark of Brian Cody. Cody picks guys. Okay, if, 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 if they're talented, if they're skills, they're grand, but a key requisite for Brian Cody is, if, what you call it, if you're under pressure... Can you can you go to the you know can you go to yeah. the final whistle like that? So they're they're the type of fellas like that he's picking like do you know what I mean like so when it comes to dog fight or when it comes to war, I think like these are the fellas that you need in your trenches like do you know what I mean? Kinda, and he, and he seems he seems to mold these type of players like do you know kinda, and um, uh, like the range if he I I I kind of ask like he would have had probably the best. Probably the greatest, the greatest ever talented players from 2006 to 2010, right? Can I, but if he pulls this off like this year, this is, you yeah. know, like this will be like what? Well, like, 
There'll be a statue of him outside Nolan Park. There'll probably be a, a, a day, a bank holiday. Absolutely, like, you know, absolutely, because Jack is right. People, like, this current Kilkenny's players, you know, team and players, mm. like, come here. They reckon the quality is not as good as, the, mm. do you know what I mean, the lads from 10 years ago. So if he pulls this off, like, do you know what I mean, it'd be, um, uh, it'd be, it'd be some achievement, like, you know? oh, Tip, yeah, Tip Wexford, Sean Og. In a nutshell, Tipperary, um, why? Uh, I just think Tipperary can score more goals than Wexford can. Do you know, can I, mm. I think Tip seems to have, um, Tip can kind of conjure goals out of nowhere where Wexford, if you look at Wexford, right, can I, um, they rely on getting 20 points plus in a lot of their games, do you know what I mean? Mm. But they're not necessarily like troubling the opposition goalkeeping. But having said that though, right, I, I, I'm only saying that on the basis that Tipperary need to bring their work rate. If Tipperary don't have, if they don't bring work rate next Sunday and they try and rely on their skill, they're in serious trouble because Wexford will, like, that, like whatever about Wexford, the one thing that they always bring to their games is work rate and then, and then they will go like 70, 75 minutes, 80 minutes, 85 minutes. They will keep on going. Do you know what I mean? So, um, if Tipperary match that, well, I think they have the abundance of skill like to, 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 to win that. Um, one aspect of Tipperary though, Denise, is after the first couple of rounds of the championship, like. They were hot favourites to win it. Yeah, like a lot of the key guys doing it. Like they find it hard to kind of recapture yeah. the form from earlier on. Like I mean, John Bubbles O'Dwyer. Do you know what I mean? Kind of, mm. he's been on side the last couple of games. John McGrath in the corner forward position. Like kind of after after brilliant performance like against Cork. Kind of gone back with Paulie Mark. Kind of general struggling performance mm. more of it. So I mean, like this is gonna be like. This is going to be a big game for Tipperary, right? But can you imagine the Wexford army to me? Like, oh, the Wexigans. There won't be, I tell you what, like, there won't be a sinner in Wexford, like, on I mean, this Sunday, like, you know what, they will travel, like, do you know what I mean? And then they will have that 16 man so I'll for them, like, you know. So, uh, it should be a great spectacle. Um, Jack, uh, before we go, uh, soccer, crystal ball, are Leeds United finally going to get promoted? I hope so. Yeah, I hope they. I hope they do. I think they're going to need probably a little bit of investment. Mm. But I think they have a manager who's going about things in the right way. The club seems to have a much better structure about them now than they have done for for, for yeah. quite a while. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of calmness around the place compared to the volatility that was there uh, for for you know the previous ten or fifteen years probably. Um, so yeah, it, the prospects are good. I, I, I certainly thought that they were going to make it this year. So did my father. You know, I I'm Matt Cooper. Probably See, there's a few. There's a few fans that come out of the woodwork now. Yeah, the last there was a couple of games there that the kind of you know when they had the chance to even go ahead in Norwich, they kind of struggled a bit and they, they didn't make use of Sheffield United and uh, Norwich kind of uh, stumbling. But um, fingers crossed. My cousin actually plays for Leeds as well. He's uh, he's under twenty three, so he's hoping to kind of break into the the first team. I'll be hoping now that. I think it could do a bit better than Bamford, but that's just uh, me talking. Listen, 
thank you so much, Jack, for joining us this evening. Best of luck for the rest of the year with St. Sylvester's out in Malahide. Sean Oak, thank you once again. We look forward to uh, the hurling next weekend and we can chat about that. So until next weekend, Slong of Fall. <laughs>